Welcome back to Forgotten Events. I am your host, Katie. There are probably hundreds, if not thousands of stories out there about famous people's children. This one intrigued me. This is the story of the kidnapping of Frank Jr., In 1963, Barry Keenan, only 23 years old, conceived a plot that I think many would consider a crazy, obsessive fantasy. Now, JFK had just been assassinated and America was still healing from that news. So all eyes and all ears were focused on that story. So it seemed the perfect time for Keenan to set his plan in motion. With the help of his former high school classmate, Joe Amslett, Keenan embarked on a criminal venture that would see the pair kidnap one of the most famous young men in America, Frank Sinatra Jr. And a side note, just for those that might not know this, he wasn't really a junior. His father, Frank Sr., had a different middle name, but nonetheless, everybody knew him as he grew up as Frank Jr. It's just a little side trivia for you. While the FBI files on the Frank Jr. kidnapping would have you believe that Keenan was little more than a money-hungry lunatic and probably a little off his rocker, the reality is far more revealing. At age 21, Keenan was already successful in the business world, as well as being the youngest member of the Los Angeles Stock Exchange. That's a fact. By the time his plot was hatched, though, Keenan was way down on his luck. He studied at UCLA and at one point had been a classmate of Nancy Sinatra. Junior's sister. Keenan had wound up addicted to drugs and alcohol, which was really as a result of a car accident, of course, as many people do. And this addiction left him broke and without friends. When he put together his plan to kidnap Frank Jr., Keenan wasn't simply motivated by the need of money. No, no, no. He also had an illusion that money and fame only belonged to those select few, those entitled. And that didn't sit well with him. Frank Jr., at this time in his life, was at the inception of his career and he embodied entitlement and wealth, making him a target. And another thing on Keenan's mind seemed to be making Frank Sr. suffer just a little. Again, this had to do with entitlement. And as Keenan recalled in a 1998 interview, he said, quote, I decided upon Junior because Frank Sr. was tough. 
And I had friends whose parents were in show business, and I knew Frank always got his way. Eh, It wouldn't be morally wrong to put him through a few hours of grief worrying about his son. End quote. Ouch. Now, with their target identified, Keenan and his accomplice, Joe Amsler, began following Frank Jr. around town, including to shows in Arizona and Los Angeles. The intention was to storm his dressing room and take him hostage. (laughs) This, however, would not come to fruition right away. They aborted their plan both times at both events. This would end up putting them in quite a pickle because they would soon realize that Frank Jr., set to perform in Lake Tahoe, would move on to Europe after that show. And that this was their last chance to complete their mission. So they drove to the hotel Frank Jr. was staying at and pretended to be delivery men, walked up to the front desk, and were given his room number, something that wouldn't happen today. Without skipping a beat, they headed down the corridors until they found that room. They boldly turned the door handle. Now remember, this is 1963. Hotel room doors didn't lock behind you like they do today. When the door opened, the duo spotted Frank Jr. having dinner. Across from him sat Bob Foss, a musician in his band. Amsler held Foss down and tied him to his chair. Keenan, while pressing a gun to Frank Jr.'s head, taped the singer's mouth shut to stop him from crying out for help. This all happened so fast. They then dragged Frank Jr. outside and threw him into the trunk of their car, leaving Foss tied up in the room. The duo, along with Frank Jr., drove to Los Angeles, and later Foss would free himself and call the police. The police, in turn, notified Frank Sr., Keenan, clearly aware that Foss would likely make a break for it, obviously, he had to make a deal with Frank Jr. because the police were coming, and he knew that. Keenan said, quote, Frank, your friend's going to get up before we get out of Lake Tahoe, and I'm concerned that there's going to be some gunplay. There's one way that we can work this out. And that's if you play along with us and we pretend that we're just some guys out having a good time. End quote. Obviously, options for Frank Jr., they were few. So he ended up submitting, allowing Keenan and Amsler to evade capture despite being pulled over by the police. 400 miles later, the two men and Frank arrived at their Los Angeles base, at which point they were met by fellow conspirator John Irwin. Oh, yes, everybody. There was another player in this story. Upon arrival, 
They learned that Irwin had just called Frank Sr. and demanded $240,000 in exchange for the release of Frank Jr. And here's where what I call the Three Stooges moment kicks into the story. Frank Sr. actually offered $1 million for the release of Jr., but the kidnappers, for some reason, demanded significantly less. I don't understand that part of the story. Now, at this point, the FBI had already collaborated with Frank Sr. and his wife, and they suggested that they just go through with the plan, go through with paying the ransom, and then allow the agents to track their money and thus capture the kidnappers. That was the plan. Frank Sr. gave the money to the FBI, who then photographed it before dropping it off at the agreed location. Now, this is when things started to unravel for the three kidnappers. These guys were clearly not on the same page, which takes me back to my Three Stooges theory. Because while on their way to pick up the money, the drop, Irwin, who clearly couldn't keep it together, decided to release Frank Jr. I mean, he cut him loose. And after walking around Los Angeles in a state of bewilderment and probably shock, Frank Jr. eventually walked up to a security guard, identified himself, and the security guard agreed to take him to his sister Nancy's house. Frank Jr. described his captors to the authorities as best he could, but given he was blindfolded, there was only so much information he could give them. It was actually starting to look like Keenan and his cohorts might avoid capture altogether. But Irwin would eventually be captured and he would turn on his co-conspirators. At a very, very public trial, Keenan and Amsler were sentenced to life in prison, while Irwin was sentenced to 75 years. But that's just the start of this crazy trial and sentencing. Unfortunately, the trio served less than a fraction of their total sentence. Keenan recalled, quote, They said in effect that I was legally and mentally insane at the time of the kidnapping, and we had no criminal malice and didn't fit the profile of normal criminals, end quote. Keenan had a psychiatric condition in which he heard voices and felt that his plan was blessed by God. Subsequently, Amsler and Irwin served only three and a half years and Keenan four and a half. Following his release, Keenan became an incredibly powerful figure in the world of real estate and in 1999 was offered $1.5 million by Columbia to recount the story of the kidnapping on film. That was the money Keenan was looking for. However, Frank Sinatra Jr. filed a lawsuit that led to a court ruling forbidding any of the conspirators to profit financially from their crimes, a final victory against a man whose crimes were motivated as much by class anxiety as they were by desperation for money. Keenan was interviewed about the kidnapping by many people looking to hear his version of what transpired. 
The kidnapping was the basis for Stealing Sinatra, a Showtime movie released in 2003 starring David Arquette and William H. Macy. This is a good watch while being lazy on a Saturday morning if you want to catch this. Then in March of 2020, an announcement was made that Keenan would be played by Grant Gustin in an upcoming movie titled Operation Blue Eyes, a biopic about the kidnapping. And the film was to be directed by Joe Mantegna. How do you say his name, Joe Mantegna? I think is how you say his name. I believe that this is still in development because there's not a lot out there right now about where that filming is at. Anyway, after Keenan was released from jail, he went on to be one of the most successful real estate brokers. I'm not kidding you. Super successful. All that financial success he thought he could get by kidnapping Frank Jr. actually came to him after his release. What a shame. What a shame. Keenan died in November of 2022 with all that success. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more forgotten events.